0: It's cool story, cool story.
1: The wheel of time, the ultimate fantasy. It's cool story, cool story.
0: Get down tonight. Get down tonight, you know, top 40.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Matt has uh, neighbors who are playing music and he described do a little dance, get a little, or do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight as top 40. Um, and I said, maybe 40 years ago, <laughs> That's, you know, the, what I meant it, as opposed to, um, what did you think it, what it could have been? Oldies? No, I don't
0: remember what you thought. Anyway, they're, I have neighbors that are blasting music. I think they run some sort oh, of, oh, I like, said,
1: maybe it's a church service, church
0: service. Yeah, but it's not, <laughs> it's not, you know, you are my hiding place. It's, uh, it's get down tonight. So, uh, if you hear that in the background, I've done a lot in my room is very padded up right now. (laughs) Yeah. I have uh, these foam panels that I made, which I use every week, but I have a bunch of extra panels I haven't used. So they're like in every crevasse of my windows. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make it work. We're going to get down tonight.
1: Speaking of uh, church service music, have you ever in the history of your life been fooled by a song and we're like, oh, this is pretty fun. And then you like hear words like you lift me up or, you know, uh, whatever it is. And you're like, oh, fooled again.
0: Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I just think
1: about that uh, Jars of Clay song. Which one? If I Can't Swim After 40, the one that was, like, the big radio hit. (laughs) Yeah, the top 40, as it were, in 1993.
0: Oh, Jars of Clay, the amount of Jars of Clay that played in my house, and, oh, what were all the bands my dad used to try to get me to play, listen to? There was a guy, DC Talk was a Uh. big one, anyway. I remember listening to songs that were, like, mainstream on the radio that I found out had, like, hidden Christian connotations, like, um... Oh, Don't Dream It's Over. That Wait. one, I think, is like a Christian song at its heart somehow. The Crowded House Isn't song. Isn't that
1: like a, a Broadway musical song?
0: No. Hey now, hey now, don't dream. Six Pence oh. the Richard covered it. Um, I think that, that's Crowded like By Crowded
1: House is the yeah. original. Oh, there
0: you go. Yeah. Huh. I believe that. Like, songs like that. Or uh, I think there's a Switchfoot song. I think Switchfoot in general is a Christian band, but I remember when they first came out, I really liked them. And then I was kind of bummed when they were like a Christian band because my dad is a pastor. And of course, at the time, I was actively trying to rebel against that. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that I enjoyed the way it sounded and it was a Christian band made me really like annoyed. But I also yeah, was of like, course. ooh, maybe I could tell my dad I like this and he'll let me listen to it. Spoiler <laughs> alert. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm very good. I have just a couple things. Okay, great. Go for it. One thing is thank you to listeners who've reached out and told us how the season is being like titled and stuff like that. Um, I've been playing around. It's not going to work as a season zero as bad as I want it to happen. Yeah, really worked on it. And we've Anne and I have talked about options, and I think what we're going to do is, I know currently they're showing up as, like, season six, one, you know, and so on. Episode one, two, three. Uh, Some point, either when this episode releases, probably the next episode, so I'll give everyone a chance so it's not too confusing, this episode will release again as season six, but we want the numbers to be right with the books. So I'm going to retitle these to be continuations of season five. So it's just going to pick up right off where season five left off and on. And I'm going to choose to refer to this as the lost season. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I like it. Thank you. Um, and my only other thing is a recommendation that I can't believe I have forgotten to talk about.
1: is I think I know what you're about to say. Go for it. Yes. Yeah, so Davey and I have been watching
0: Traders on Peacock.
1: This I've... is the Alan Cumming
0: Yes. Show. It, yeah. It is We watched it because I was like, oh, I, I need to watch this because of the Bravo stars that are on it. Right. And we we were so obsessed with it. It's so good. I cannot wait for another season. Are you done? Oh, we totally watched it beginning to end. Okay. We could not stop watching it. Okay. okay. I don't remember a show that has brought us together in like a yelling at the TV, <laughs> like joking around during it kind of moment in such a long time. We were so invested that we, after we finished it, we watched the Australian version. <laughs> oh, my God. That's
1: really funny. Which was
0: amazing. Amazing as well. The Australian version, there's a British version as well we haven't watched. But those don't have any, like, quote-unquote celebrities, celebrities or bravo celebrities. Okay. It's just all folks. Um, yeah. But, wow. Have you watched any of it?
1: Uh, uh, yes. I, f- I have finished the whole season. <sighs> um. Did you die? <laughs> I have two two things to say about it. <laughs> Number one is the I th- I think his name is Christian. Uh-huh. He's one of the murderers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the curly haired guy, the traitor. Yeah, the the ordinary traitor, the non celebrity. Yes, traitor. I want to, I wanted to just push him into traffic. Amen. I found him every time he was on my screen. I was like, I hate you. We- you think you're so much smarter than you are. <laughs> You, like, uh, your reactions are always at an 11. I just hated seeing him on my screen.
0: Yes, that's maybe the exact person that we had the strongest reaction to, that we were, like, dying over at the screen. Like, uh, every time he was on, I was like,
1: ugh. And I love how the other traitors were like, oh, God, we're stuck with this idiot. You could (laughs) tell. Even before they said it.
0: When they first all got together, and you saw Ceres' face? <laughs> yes. When he was, was, like, like, oh, like great. with this, like, manic look in his eyes and, put, like, rubbing his hands together. She was like, oh, fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the, what's the other uh, the thing? other thing I have to say, Miles and I watched it together, and we were maybe in, like, the second episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, so we've been watching for, like, two hours at this point. And Miles looks at Alan Cumming and goes... Is that, is that Pee-wee Herman? <laughs> <laughs> I died. Oh, my God. Oh, That is not what I was expecting your second
0: thing no. to be. That is amazing. <laughs> I was like, the second thing is going to have to be about Kate. It's going to have to be about Kate.
1: Oh, God. I, I, I love how she was just like, get me off this show. It was –
0: hilarious like the one thing that pissed me off was when she was throwing the money overboard but Agreed. listen they got it all at the fucking spoiler alert they get all the money so yeah. it didn't even matter but i was like i don't watch below deck me I, well i've watched below deck med but nothing else she's the she's not on that one right uh no but mm-hmm. it, i don't know much about her i'm i want to know everything about her now from that show <laughs> I, I like i was obsessed with her all the time. Especially, I think my favorite moment, <laughs> it's hard to pick one, but I think the moment that sealed the deal with me was when, I forget, the. Ca- I think her name was Lindsay, the character that was from Survivor, the redhead,
1: that she- uh, Kate hated. Yes, I think so.
0: Whatever her name might have been. I'm so sorry. Let's say Lindsay. She walks in the room in the morning and uh, Kate says something to her, like,
1: um, about choices. Oh my gosh. And she's like, like... She's like... like- <laughs> Oh, I like your outfit for once, or something like that. Because she
0: goes, I wouldn't have chosen to wear that to breakfast, for example. Right. (laughs) She goes, are you making fun of my appearance? And she's like, I'm just telling you, I wouldn't have chosen to wear that for breakfast. And then she said in, like, a talking head that she dresses like she's uh, going to a student theater production every morning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which is true. (laughs) Oh, she just cracked
0: me the fuck up. She just... (sighs) You know those people that go around and be like, I say it like it is. I'm just saying it like it is, and they're just like assholes. Yeah. She's kind of just like the real actual version of the person who just kind of says it like it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's not intentionally malicious. She's just uh, like that no was filter.
0: So bad. Anyway, that's all I have. I just was very obsessed with that and uh I, I can't believe I've neglected to talk about it
1: with you. <laughs> well, I have two things to recommend. The first is uh a book series that I've been reading and I I think I've mentioned it before the Percy Jackson book oh, series Oh yeah yeah I'm now I read the first five books first four books maybe in the series and then there's like it's a little it's a little um confusing cuz it's like there's the main series and then there's like continuations that are in the same universe but also have the same characters so in my head I'm like they're just the same series but whatever Are they like um,
0: um canon or whatever are they considered yes okay yes
1: yes yes yes. yeah um so i really like them i def i highly recommend them they're super fun the characters are good uh there's like good representation of a lot of different identities um like the people are like thoughtful and empathetic toward each other and like demonstrate emotional maturity and how to like forgive and apologize and things like that like it's really i really like it a lot nice and they're easy like they're they're i think intended to be like young adult but uh like not in a way that as an adult reader i'm like ugh this is so childish like it's it's still good and fun it's just like also easy mm-hmm. um and so definitely recommend if you want like next time you're getting on an airplane or taking a bath or something definitely recommend checking those out
0: i I definitely want to read those books. I would totally read those books. Um, If we ever finish doing Wheel of Time and then we do it again and we're still doing Cool Story, we could do Percy Jackson. (laughs) That'd be fun. That would be fun. Uh, But I was going to say, this just is kind of funny, shows a good snapshot of our friendship (laughs) and our kind of overlap. I have not read the books, but I have listened to the (laughs) soundtrack to the musical, (laughs) The Lightning Thief. (laughs)
1: There's just, a musical.
0: Yeah, there's a Percy Jackson musical. It's God. it's been around for a while. I think I don't think it's new or anything like that. But wow. I have heard the musical.
1: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, I will say so. The first book was like good, and I read it, and I started the second one. I I think it's a series. I mean, I think this is pretty common, but it, I think it improves over time. So yeah. if you like read the first book and you're like, this was good, I'm not like uh, obsessed. I would say keep going, because I think the the characters get more interesting. I think he gets more confident in, like, what he wants the world's sort of rules to be like. And the first book is sort of like this kid who, you know, discovers that this world of, like, magic and monsters is real. And I, I'm not always a fan of, like, mystical, magical stuff mixed into modern day stuff. For some reason, it... I think it sometimes feels weird and clunky. Yeah. Um, Like when people are like, oh, the DMV, like obviously everybody who works at the DMV is like a demon or, you know, like that kind Mm. of stuff where it's like, they try to make it like, oh,
0: you know, in the modern world,
1: demons would all work at the DMV, that kind of stuff. It just feels like shoehorned and weird. And Mm. there are like a few moments like that, I feel like in the first book, but uh, overall, like I think he gets, gets into his groove pretty quickly and definitely worth continuing. Nice. Um, the other th- thing I have to recommend is a podcast that I'm probably like six episodes into at this point, and it's called The JV Club, and I don't know if you know who Janet Varney is. No. She's a comedian and actress. You would recognize her, as I do, as the voice of Cora from The Legend of Cora. Ooh. Um, she has a podcast called the JV club. She's actually been a guest, uh, a guest on Hey Riddle Riddle a couple of times and mm-hmm. is always like so hilarious on those episodes. And I finished my listened through of all of Hey Riddle Riddle again for like the probably fourth time or maybe more. Uh, and so I was like, all right, what's, what am I going to listen to now? And so I just decided to give it a try and it's, it's a different tone. It's, it's really funny, but it's her interviewing other women who are primarily in entertainment. So like other comedians, other actresses, or the first episode is her interviewing Christina Hendricks. And uh, it's all about what their life was like as women, sort of like growing up into adulthood and into entertainment. So it talks a lot about like high school, family relationships, like college, getting into the entertainment industry. It's just feels really like real and authentic. And like, you hear a lot of, stories from these women that are pretty amazing and also just like funny and relatable. And uh, so it's just kind of like interestingly humanizing interviews with a lot of celebrities and comedians. So Mm -hmm. I think it's um, really enjoyable to listen to. And I think she created it as a way to share the common experience that a lot of women have in sort of like that, like later adolescent early adulthood stage in their lives Mm -hmm. And particularly women in entertainment. And so she doesn't set out with the explicit purpose of being like, we want to like make a podcast that like young women can listen to and understand they're not alone in a lot of these experiences. But it ends up being that a bit as well. So um, if you are a uh, person who might connect with that, uh, go give it a listen.
0: I love that. Say the name of it one more time.
1: J V club, so JV it's J V like Janet Varney, but also it's like kind of junior varsity because it kind of is like high schooly focused.
0: Nice, I like that a lot. I I often listen to a lot of um, content that might be marketed towards women, yeah, uh, or aimed towards that audience to you know connect with, and I yeah. I find myself connecting to a lot of that sort of content, uh, totally. You know, so yeah, um, I'm very interested in that. I love that. And I she am... also,
1: I find her voice very, like, soothing to listen to. I think uh, she's got just, like, a really beautiful speaking voice.
0: So necessary.
1: Obviously. She's Korra in The Legend of Korra. Oh,
0: true. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Yeah. So, check it out. I uh, I got
1: nothing else if you're ready to get into this, uh, this new no, what tw- 20 minutes in, we should probably start talking about the actual podcast that we're here for.
0: You know, let's talk about spices and
1: herbs. <laughs> I saw a, a TikTok the other day that was like uh, a person who was like, here are a list of my favorite spices. And then he pauses for a minute and he's like, okay, now that all the white people are gone and like he goes into something that I thought that was so fucking funny. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. We have some Pythos corrections. Ooh, that's, that's worth the wait. Trust me. Yes. Okay. Let me pull them
0: up really quickly. Thank you, Pythos. Uh, again, we are very yes. happy to have you calling us out. <laughs>
1: Yes. Okay. So remember how in, like, the first chapter, Lan talks about, like, the patterns of every thousand years, something kind of, like, Mm. cataclysmic happening? Mm -hmm. Apparently, uh, this is not from Pythos. This is somebody, uh, this is from Fizzled, uh, with PH, commenting that there is a word for that, which is people seeing patterns that aren't really there, or, like, aren't really, like, meaningful, and it's called apophenia, A-P-O-P-H-E-N-I-A.
0: Oh, mm, okay. Which I
1: thought was interesting. I love that.
0: Thanks, Fizzle. I um, heard from Fizzle in a minute.
1: I know. And Pythos is commenting on a couple episodes, I think from season five, that uh, we talked about Matt's horse being named Pips being cute. And uh, I knew this, but Pythos commented that a pip is the little dot on the side of a dice. So it's sort of like the gambling reference for mm-hmm. pip, for Matt's horse. Uh, we also talked about 40x the movie theater experience. Remember oh, when we yes. talked about that and how they like spray water in your face and stuff? Apparently that's been around since like 2009 in South Korea. And there's only like three dozen locations in the U.S. currently, but uh, it's been around for quite a while.
0: We always think everything's novel.
1: Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, Wild and Crazy Kids on Nickelodeon <sighs> ran for three seasons between 1990 and 92. Mm. Uh, James Gandolfini died of a heart attack in 2013. Mm. RIP. Oh, Fizzle points out. Remember the bread uh, from like Cheesecake Factory or Outback? It's yes. called a molasses or honey wheat bread. Ooh, yum! Yummy!
0: Yum! Put that on your Pinterest or whatever.
1: <laughs> Honestly, and uh, the other thing was we. Oh, we talked about Elvis has left the building, and Pythos couldn't figure out what song specifically references that, but it's been a phrase that's used since, like, the 1950s when Elvis would actually, like, end his concerts, of course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Baking soda is sodium bicarbonate, and it was commonly used for, uh, like, toothbrushing. Anything abrasive for, like, that could be a powder to cleanse teeth was used in in history. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, apparently we're both correct with our pronunciation of the word gallant, uh, oh. because you it depends on whether it's a noun or a verb. So a like verb, like a gallant steed, would be gallant, but somebody who is like an escort to somebody at a ball would be a gallant. Hmm. So, the more you know.
0: The more you know.
1: Also, apparently, uh, I don't know if other people are bothered by it, but the way we pronounce... <sighs> Nalishan.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay.
1: Is, since he's from Tyr, and Tier has Spanish influences, and we say Estion from uh-huh. Tyr, it should be Nalesion if we're following the same pronunciation practices.
0: Nalesion.
1: Yeah. I like that better. Okay, well, great. Let's go for it.
0: I'm going to try to remember it. That's the challenge, is remembering it. But Nalessian, yeah. I like a lot better than Nalashon. Nalashon Nalessian.
1: Fingers and faces. All right, let's get back to the chapter.
0: <laughs> let's begin the chapter.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. Sorry, I interrupted you literally in the title.
0: No, that's okay. All right. So, it's uh, we're with Moiraine and Swan. And Moiraine is sitting on a stool. She's uh, taking down the names and details and numbers and all of that of the women who've had children recently. Uh, and they're they're all lined up and ready to report. We're kind of fast-forwarded a little bit. They're set up and taking the names in lines. And Swan's yeah. kind of set up right next to her doing the same thing. And I remember last chapter, so they were like, there can't be that many, but there's like over a hundred in line. So yeah. It's going to be a lot, and it seems like I was kind of off in the last chapters about how often, like how soon they needed to be given birth, because Moiraine's even thinking in her head that very pregnant women could be eligible if they gave birth very soon.
1: Yeah. But I've
0: looked back at the, I guess it depends on how you take the, the lines that G- guitar said, because I even looked back at what she actually said, mm-hmm. and she said the baby, you know, he takes his first breath but then she said he's coming. So maybe she just saw that he was coming and taking his first mm. breath. Mm. Instead of, like, he's taking his first breath in that moment, which is kind of how I took it originally. Yeah. So I guess, you, you know, Maureen's even thinking about that, which means there's so many more possibilities. Maybe yeah. the person hasn't even been found. Uh, yeah. Doesn't even know they're eligible. So much more than expected. Uh, she doesn't know how to settle the crowd because they're all kind of shouting and trying to get in line. Remember, they're being offered money and... Many of them need it very badly. So she's wondering, will I ever have the skill to get these people, people in line and get people to trust me? And I thought, (laughs) you will.
1: You Mm -hmm. will, girl. Just wait till you grow to the size of an entire town in book one. (laughs) Right,
0: right, exactly. (laughs) So meanwhile, her friend Swan is standing on her stool, no problem, fearless, at least to the outside world. And she channels, like, a weave of air and fire in a way that allows her to, like, amplify her voice like a thunderclap. She tells everyone, basically, shut the fuck up (laughs) and settle down. And if anyone wants their money, this is not how we conduct ourselves, essentially. Right. So everyone kind of settles down because they want their money. And... Moraine is in awe of Swan as usual throughout the whole chapter, but especially right now. Anyone who does not see the admiration and love that they have is blind. Totally. So, uh, they're speaking to a lot of Morandian women and they're all like starting to give their names, and meanwhile, as they're doing this, there's little groups of younger women who've kind of formed watching the Aes Sedai work in admiration. Well, they're not Aes Sedai yet, but remember they're they're sort of masquerading as Aes Sedai, letting people assume yeah. Yeah. And so these girls are looking at them like, oh, I wonder if that could be me one day. And I thought that, <laughs> that that's where I'd be, right in that little group. A hundred percent. My reign is faced with a woman named, I don't know if it matters, but I'm going to try to say it anyway, because I'm mm. sure we're going to meet more people from here. Mary Alan Akadlan. <laughs> <laughs> and she says she's a direct descendant of the first queen of Merindi. And she's got a son named Cedron was born about a week ago, and she intends to frame the coins as honor for this, and Maureen's like, okay. Uh, But she has a little bit of a conundrum on her hands because she doesn't really know what a newborn baby looks like versus, like, an infant from, like, a few weeks ago, a month ago. Yeah. And she's like, I... (laughs) how the hell do I know? And she looks over at Swan, who's like, just scatting down names. (laughs) Scatting, that's not a word for writing. (laughs) (laughs)
1: scribblin' down names. Um, Before we go any further, just (laughs) since I'm anticipating messages, apparently it's Murindy, not Murindy.
0: Oh, Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to go more into my mispronounced word. Um, Murindy. (laughs) Scat. Murindy, yes.
1: (laughs) She's uh, bipping and boppin' over there while she's writing down names.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so she's writing down names of babies that are bigger than the ones that Moiraine uh, is considering on. So she's like, okay, I'm probably fine. And just then she spots a lady in li- not in line, sort of, like, in the area who's nursing a baby just as small as the baby she's about to write down the name for. So she's like, hmm, I wonder why is she not in line? She asks this, you know, first Descendant of whatever, Murindy. And she says, quote, I'm not accustomed to keeping track of every brat born in this camp. <laughs> she's, wow. She is essentially <laughs> do you remember that commercial? It's my money and I need it now. <laughs> no, I have oh no God. idea what that is. Oh, J T Wentworth. One of my favorite old commercials. It's my money and I need it now. Just look it up after this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's who that's who she is right now. Uh, she pushes on a little further with this woman. Like, you sure you don't know who it is? I'm just kind of curious. But she doesn't get any success at first. However, the woman who is kind of holding her kid, who I guess is like her serving woman, says, oh, I actually know who that is. And she speaks up timidly that this is Kareem. She says that she had a baby the same day as her, but her man, the baby daddy, ran off to be a warder. So... She's now married to someone she's not in love with. And I thought, wow, that's really fast to get married. But I guess customs. And her daughter's name is Elia. And Moiraine is, like, curious about this. She's also marveling at Swan's demeanor uh, because Swan's just getting all the information out of these folks pretty easily. She's not cruel or anything. She's just so assertive and in charge. Meanwhile, Moiraine is, like, so unsure of herself and doesn't know... What to do. Moiraine is then faced with a very, like, frail, thin-looking woman uh, whose name is Susa. Yeah. And she presents her son, Jack Wynn. Moiraine notices that he's, like, old. He's a few months old, probably. But before she goes to protest about it at all, Swan, who's sitting next to her, kind of puts her hand on her arm. And we see that they have a very unspoken kind of language. Which I think is really interesting now that I'm reading that. I'm going to put a little Mm. bookmark there. They have very unspoken language. So she puts the hand on her arm and she knows that she wants her to discover something about this. So she learns that this woman's husband was lost in a war. She's starving. She's poor. And she thinks back to this maniac who she just helped who's framing her money. And she's like... Hmm. Okay, she gets it. So she writes her name down regardless because she knows that this isn't the Dragon Reborn or any chance, but she wants to give her some money because she needs it. And then she gives her like a little extra on the side and the woman is so grateful and tearful and, you know, she says, go seek out whatever your version of a wise one or wisdom is. And she goes off and Swan kind of disapproves of this, like, you know, this probably wasn't a great idea. She probably was okay with the money we already gave her. But Maureen's like, eh, no harm done. But then, not surprisingly, the whispers start. Everyone hears what she did. So everyone's looking for extra, looking for a handout. The line grows by, like, double. There's a ton of people with, like... (laughs) Everyone's there with babies of all different ages. Moiraine spots someone leading their baby, their newborn by hand. You know, (laughs) women with chia pets and Tamagotchis. (laughs) So Moiraine is like... uh, she's eventually faced with her first obvious imposter who says, oh, I wish I had money for a wise woman. My kid's so sick. Uh, and Maureen is like, well, I can heal your kid. You know, I could heal your kid right here, but I might kill it because, you know, babies might not survive healing, but I could do that for you if you want. We don't need to <laughs> do any of this. And she's like, you know, I think I have some Tylenol <laughs> at home. I Actually. think I hear my phone ringing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, because she's just so frustrated. It's a very naive move. Yeah. And the line kind of goes back to normal. Nobody else is going to be too obvious. Push. Yeah. Yeah. After getting about half the names of the people in line, they take a break, and Swan and Moiraine Ma- have a meal of flatbread and dried meats. Nothing too exciting there. But they are served a hot, dark tea. And two tankards of um, spiced hot wine. For the hot dark tea, it's not really described, but I don't know. I'm thinking just like a black tea. Yeah. You know? And then the spiced wine. Have you ever had hot spiced wine? I don't know if I have, no. We had it once in Solvang, like in the wintertime. There was like a winery that had a, a special, I don't know. It was really good, though. It was so good. Was it? Yeah, we sat out by the fire and drank it, and we're like, wow, this is... I don't know if we just wanted it to be so good anyway, too, because it was just cool. Yeah. (laughs) But we really enjoyed it. Very warming, so I imagine that's what they're doing. (laughs) Uh, The woman who serves the wine, she's from Tyr, and she says to Maureen before she leaves that what she did to that Susa woman was really nice because she would have never asked for it, so good job. And it's sweet, I thought, but they're like... No one would talk to an Aes Sedai like this. So, Swan figures that the two of them have been made by her, at least, to not be Aes Sedai. And she's supposed to, this is probably because this woman, like, was raised in the tower at some part or some point, but, like, either didn't have the spark or wasn't going to get a shawl or whatever. And so, because, like, that's, you know, what happens. They get cast yeah. out afterwards. So, they're like, maybe she'll just keep our secret. And then I read the sentence, and it gave me pause because of our conversation last week. I'm just going to read the exact sentence from the book. Okay. It's uh, about Swan. She was folding up cloths the food had been bundled in, and wishing there had been a few more of the dried apricot. When Swan suddenly muttered, Oh no. And I thought about our stories about the dried apricots from last week,
1: (laughs) and she had too many. Yes, I was like, "Isn't that almost word for word how I what I said with my story?" Where I was like, oh no, yes, (laughs)
0: yes." (laughs) Oh my gosh! But I, I cracked up. I had to stop myself. I literally laughed out loud. So the actual oh no reason, the reason she's saying oh no, is because they see two actual Aes Sedai joining them. So they think they're in trouble, or something's gone wrong, and they're joined by one warder. It's Malin Argania, and she is one of the most respected sisters in the tower, and less respected <laughs> by them is, with them, uh, Elida. Swan quickly explains that they're, oh, we're here on business, and da-da-da-da-da, and Malin is like that, yeah, we all know. Old news. And it says that, I like this description. Malin, uh, it says her eyes, her startling blue eyes held serenity as a cup of held water. I liked that. Yeah. Held serenity like a cup held water. Uh, She is a white Aja and she is one of the rare white Aja who has a warder. Most don't concern themselves with that. Elida is red Asha, so she doesn't have a warder, obviously. And Elida's like, surprise bitch. Yeah. That <laughs> you thought you'd <laughs> seen the last of me. And Moiraine thinks of her dress as tinker red because it's so vibrant. And um, everything. it says everything about her was severe. That's how I think about Elida in a nutshell. Yeah, She says, oh, I'll be calling on you soon, don't worry. She's kind of taunting them, and Maylin tells her to cut it out. And Maylin asks, how many names do you have so far? How, how many names do you have to still get? And Swan says about 50. So she's like, all right, better write fast, because you gotta, you got a limit. And Moiraine's like, why are there so many babies? I did not expect this during a war. And there's a quote. Uh, Maylin's response is, When a man believes he may die, he wants to leave something of himself behind. When a woman believes her man may die, she wants that part of him desperately. The result is a great many babies born during wars. It's illogical given the hardship that comes if the man does die or the woman, but the human heart is seldom logical. That was just very... I don't know. Well put. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say profound, but that sounds so
1: profound.
0: But yeah, (laughs) you know, just very like... I mean, it's the chapter title, so I, I imagine it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. Th- there's a moment where Malin responds to her warder without him speaking, and Moraine is like, oh, I know that some Aes Sedai can read minds, so maybe that's what's happening. But before she even, like, says it, she barely has the thought, Malin responds out loud to her saying, I'm not reading his mind.
1: <laughs> and
0: she's like, wait. I-
1: they can't really read minds.
0: Okay, okay. I was going to say, because Moiraine is like, oh, I've heard that that's a, a wondrous thing. But I guess the point is, like, she doesn't really know what happens as nice as and they're sort of, like, link and connection- it could be perceived, maybe, to someone who doesn't understand it as reading minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But exactly. what she explains to her is that, you know, when you get a warder, when you are, you know, joined with your warder or whatever, bonded, um, you'll see how it is. It's just you, you know what the other one is thinking, sort of. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting just now because that's sort of the kind of connection that she has with Swan. like A little bit, Not yeah. in the same obvious, like, physical, bonded way, but they just had that same thing in the in the sitting down and taking the names where she understood exactly what she meant when she put her hand on her arm. Um, So it's kind of, A, cute to see their bond is so strong like that, and just interesting to see how you have those kind of connections in life and you understand them, but when you look at them in this magical way, it's so hard to grasp, but it's just a more amplified version of that. Yeah. You know, like intuition. Anyway, she goes on to talk about, she makes kind of like a a jab. She says, logically, reds have greater need of warders than any except greens, perhaps even greater than greens. But no matter, the odds choose as they will. It's kind of like a shady thing to say in front of Elida, but mm-hmm. we all know that she, like, <laughs> outranks Elida by, like, a thousand. Elida yeah. kind of keeps her mouth shut, surprisingly. And the two kind of trot away, and the swan and Maureen get back to work. Uh, before long, the bannerman that's with them, Steeler, or Stellar, he tells them, you know, we gotta go. If we're gonna make it back in time. But they're like, uh, we gotta finish. We could we could do it. It's like, you know, back and forth. We gotta go. We could do it. And the serving woman from before who gave them the tea comes over and gets, like, in his face and is like, back off. Leave them alone. And there's, like, an angry mob that sort of forms, randomly, of all these people holding the men off. Yeah. And I kind of get it that, obviously, they want to you know everyone wants their money; they want to get what what's due to them, and they're helping each other out. But I almost wonder if eventually we're gonna find out that one of these people is the mother of one of the Taverans somehow hmm. because this feels like a very taveran like behavior a an angry mob breaking out and letting mm. them get mm. the names. That's what I was thinking, but I don't know yet. gotcha um blah blah. blah, 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 blah. So they kind of fly through the rest of the names in the line while the angry mob is holding off the men. They finish just in time, and the bannerman is like, okay, cool, glad that happened. Now we're going to have to ride hard. So they do. They get back trotting most of the way, and, and it's very painful for the girls, but they make it back just in time. They're the last ones to arrive. And they dismount. They're both kind of like worn down from it. They don't ride horses in general that often, especially not lately and not that hard. And so they're both worn out and ready to get back to the rooms. They leave their writing desks behind to be collected, and they're like, ah, finally we're going to get some rest, some alone (laughs) time. But no such luck because when they get to Swan's chamber or around there, Katarine is there. I guess she's another novice. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh. huh? She might be accepted. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. She's accepted. And she says, You guys are finally back. And, um, you know, you took forever, but Maureen is looking to speak to you. rain Outrageous.
1: I say M- Marion. Marion? Beautiful. That's how I say it. I'm going to but... do
0: that. Marion wants to speak to Maureen. And so Swan is like, oh, I'll come. I'll come too. And she's like, no, 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 just Moiraine. And she's like, oh, okay. Moiraine, do you want me to come? And she's like, no, I'll take care of it. (laughs) You can just rest. Chill. And she's like, okay. Uh, And Moiraine is a little scared about why she's being summoned to the Mistress of Novices. But she's like, all right, well, whatever. So she goes. And Marion is described as having graying hair that's gathered at the nape of her neck. She has a motherly look. Uh, and she has a talent for finding out what most want to keep hidden. And the word "talent" was ha- capitalized, so I imagine it's not just like she's good at it.
1: Yeah, no more like a like a skill, skill for yeah. sussing out the truth. Yeah, yeah I want that. Um,
0: yeah. So she tells my rain pretty delicately because she thinks this is gonna be pretty challenging news. She tells her it's got it's basically she's been summoned to the guidance counselor's office. <laughs> uh, she's told that her uncle. King Lamon has been killed, and that her other two uncles, his brothers, have also been killed. Moiraine's like, okay, and she gives, like, the customary response, like, the light lumen or whatever, and she thinks to herself, mm, well, my uncles were ambitious, they were cruel, put, like, shame on our family name, they didn't like my dad, and she doesn't really feel bad.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So she's like, I feel worse about the kid in line earlier who was with the hungry mom. Yeah. And Marion was expecting a different reaction. So she's like, Hmm, shock. You're in shock. Yeah. <laughs> It'll settle in later. That'll hit you on the way home. And she's like, Okay, thank you, but I'm okay. Uh, I may I go and she's like, Okay, well just know you are off tomorrow. You're not you don't have to go back out and do this. We want you to grieve. She's like, I'm good, see ya <laughs> and she leaves and goes back to her room. She's not really affected by it. She's more interested in this mission anyway. When she gets to her room, her lamp and fireplace are going, and she thinks Swan might have done it for her, so she goes, she takes a bath, and gets ready for bed, and she sets wards to contain her dreams, and she dreams of an infant in the snow on Dragon Mount. She dreams of lightning in a pitch-black sky where the baby's wails were the thunder. Uh, She dreams of a faceless young man bringing lightning from the skies with cities burning behind him. And the dra- she, th- she thinks to herself, the dragon was reborn. And she wakes up, and she extinguishes her fires, and she sneaks out in the night to go to her best friend swan's room. She is shocked to find her awake, but she has woken up from the nightmares as well. And they kind of, like, exchange notes. And they're both kind of, like, trembling in fear together. They're both kind of really, really scared about the- what's happening in the real world. And they wonder aloud... What can they do if they even find him? And Moiraine thinks and hopes that he could be guided by the tower and taught. But they both know that Aes Sedai cannot teach men to channel any more than birds can teach fish to fly. Mm -hmm. So they both lay awake together wishing that they could be dreamless like Aes Sedai. And that's the end of the chapter. But Aes Sedai dream, right?
1: Or do we not know? Yeah, no, they do. They can ward them, you know. Against influence and that kind of stuff, but
0: but they these but Moiraine believes that they they don't dream.
1: I think she probably because she had a line more... where she's
0: like she she wishes she could be Aes Sedai because they don't dream.
1: Let me look at that. Well, Swan says, "I said I don't have bad dreams." Ooh. I think I think it's more just a comment of like Aes Sedai are so knowledgeable and powerful that they don't worry about trivial things and are in, more in control of the situation and their emotions than we are oh, is I basically what that is meant to mean.
0: I thought it was some sort of indication to show how little they knew about what it means to be Aes Sedai. Like, similar like to the Warder thing.
1: <laughs> well, I think to an extent it still is, because yeah. I'm sure they do have bad dreams, but... I mean,
0: anyway. We all have bad dreams, don't we?
1: <laughs> we do. Your turn. <laughs> uh, well, chapter six is called Surprises. <laughs> Uh, Sorry, that your comment of Elida saying surprise bitch <laughs> made me laugh. <laughs> it was just so um, bad. <laughs> it was very that. So the sigil for this chapter is the rising son of Kyrian. Mm-hmm. And um, Moiraine and Swan. Uh, Moiraine has fallen asleep in Swan's bed, and they are awakened by the scratching at the door of Setsuko, a novice who is apparently too weak in the one power to become Aes or even accepted, but as we know that I Sedai keep anybody in the tower until they at least know enough of channeling to prevent themselves from prevent them from harming themselves or anyone else.
0: I didn't know. I knew that they, they brought women to the tower who they thought could channel. And yes. then if they couldn't, that they like taught them there or whatever. Like like Elaine would have been taught if she well maybe not maybe that was just for Elaine, whether she was I Sedai or not.
1: Yeah. But that they that like... was for Elaine. Okay.
0: But that they, you know, that they're just sort of released. But I didn't know that there was the possibility of being able to be there with the Spark to channel or whatever. Or the access to the source and whatever. But not strong enough to be an Aes Sedai or or to stay there.
1: So so some people can be taught... So some people are born with the Spark and will learn to channel regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, And others can, like... Uh, train and be taught, yeah, so some so basically, you have three categories of people: people born with a spark who will channel no matter what, some who might not have that spark, but can learn, and then others who can't channel at all,
0: okay, so this person can't channel at all, Setsuka.
1: um, so she is in the middle category, she can channel, but she's so weak that she wouldn't be able to pass the accepted or I said i test, so they basically just. You know, teach her the sharp end of the knife from the from the handle, and then send her out back out in the world.
0: Okay. So they just kind of tell her it's really dangerous if you do A, B, and C. X, so y, don't do those yeah. things and see, don't get into trouble. But she could it, channel and do yes. things and not follow us yes. today rules. Then correct. I mean, potentially, if if there's no way to get better. But in my mind, yes. and I'm just going I'm sorry, I'm just blabbing blabbing on. But in my mind, if those people exist. And we're learning now rules that have that have existed that we've understood aren't necessarily hell bent rules. For example, maybe we can learn to teach people like we can heal stilling and gentling. For example, then maybe the spark in I, I said women who couldn't be raised could be grown. Mm, I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, go ahead.
1: <laughs> uh, so Moiraine gives Swan, according to RJ, one last hug, because mm-hmm. apparently they spent the night cuddling, uh, and leaves the room and sees Setsuko going to scratch at Sheriam's door. And I just thought it was funny that, like, the little throwaway pieces of information that RJ sometimes includes, like, she's like, well, she'll have to try harder than that, because Sheriam sleeps like the dead.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Uh, And when she gets to her own door, there's a novice named Lysandra, who is, you know, trying to wake Moiraine, not realizing she's not in there. And I just like how Moiraine's uh, opinion of Lysandra is that she is strong enough to test for Accepted, as long as she can fix her stank attitude, basically. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So Moiraine changes, brushes her teeth, and when she comes back out, Swan is already waiting for her and is talking to Sherry, who is apparently in this this span of time, not only has uh, woken up and gotten dressed and ready, but has shared some gossip that she heard that the Aiel forces are quote-unquote retreating and are leagues away from the river at this point. And this thrills Moiraine and Swan because they think that this will likely mean that they can badger their guards into getting them closer to Dragonmount, the camps closer to Dragonmount, increasing their chances of finding the mother... Uh, of the dragon reborn. Mm-hmm. And Sherriam's like, Why are you two grinning like idiots? And they're like, Oh, no, nothing. And then they kind of like, you know, school their features. Um, and they're about to head toward the stables to repeat yesterday's activities when Marion Sedai sweeps in. And this causes some like peas and carrots, peas and carrots, because basically, whenever, you know, the mistress of novices appears, uh, in the sort of accepted quarters, it either means somebody is in big trouble or somebody is about to be tested for Aes uh, I Sedai. I. Mm. And so people have varying responses. They either like spot her and immediately like go running because they know they could be in trouble or they're like kind of like pausing and just being like, who me? Yeah. Like waiting to see <laughs> if uh, Marion comes to, tells them, to tell them they're ready to be tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes up to... Uh, the three, you know, Swan, Moiraine, Sharyam, and uh, basically is like, Sherryam, get out of here, and tells (laughs) Moiraine that she is not going to be leaving the tower today to collect names because we know you must be in shock from the news you got yesterday. Instead, you're going to be reviewing all of the reports from the Accepted who have come in since yesterday, And you're going to make sure that they are legible, and if they're not legible, you are going to make legible copies of them uh, to kind of fix the shitty handwriting of some of the accepted. Rude. (laughs) And Moiraine is, like, horrified and is, like, trying to rapidly think of a way to get out of this. But to her horror, Swan is like, that's a great idea, Marian. And Marian is like, yeah, thanks, your approval matters a lot to me. Um, And then is like, well, Swan, since you think it's such a great idea, you'll be helping Moiraine as well. And so Swan is like, fuck. But Marion takes them to a small room near the Ammerlin's apartments uh, and shows them this big stack of paper, pen and ink, and tells them, like, go get breakfast. And when you're done, start on this big pile of papers and get to work. And once she departs, Swan or Moiraine is like, what the fuck to Swan? And Swan is like, well, you know... In the grand scheme of things, this might actually mean that we get to look at maybe even all of the names. Like, we don't have to trust to luck that we might happen to be the one who collects the name. Instead, we can look at all of the names and all the information, and and maybe we'll be the ones to find him first. Then she asks Moiraine, like, what did she mean, like, news that you got? And Moiraine tells her about her uncles, and Swan gives her a big hug and basically says, like, you know... I have some uncles that I love, and some that I wouldn't shed a tear over if they died, and maybe they're already dead. Uh, but Moiraine kn- thinks that Swan knows exactly the perfect thing to say to her.
0: She just knows that's called that same connection, that intuition. I love. Do that. you remember the Jewel song,
1: Intuition? Follow your heart. <laughs> <laughs> i love that song not even ironically i really think it's a good song i loved it until it became
0: a jingle for some sort of i think shaving your legs thing um, uh like either a, a razor or a cream and i heard it like when banana rama's venus became uh, exactly this. exactly yeah. like that and i would hear it all the time but i like that whole album by jewel is that the one with um stand with stand on it i think so yeah oh, i love that
1: one <laughs> <laughs> uh okay, anyway. so anyway um they go get eat breakfast and then come back to the room and uh, as they begin reviewing the list moiraine notices that not only do some of the accepted have really bad handwriting but some of the women had given them very vague details on their child's birth and the accepted Some of them have not done a great job of, like, pestering for more information, because some of the reports literally just say, like, born in sight of the White Tower, (laughs) or born in sight of Dragonmount. And Moiraine is like, it's the tallest fucking mountain in the world. You can see it from, like, miles and miles. So not really helpful, ladies.
0: It's like when you have the same job as, like, a bunch of other people, and then you have to then read their notes for some reason. And you took, like, these really detailed things to help everybody out. And then you get, like,
1: person called at (laughs) afternoon, left message. (laughs) And you're like, person. (laughs) Yeah, we had, uh, (laughs) when I worked at the travel supply company, we had, uh, like, customer records and things. And some people would leave notes, like, customer had questions about XYZ luggage, this color, blah, 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 blah. And some people would be like, customer had questions. And it's like, that's not... I can't do anything with that. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so um, some also include, like, some vague mentions of women who, like, some women are like, oh, yeah, there was a woman in the camp who gave birth, but, you know, she's gone, or, you know, I don't know where her name or really where she's from. I know she lives in Andor, and Moiraine's like, great, the, like, largest nation in the world. That should be easy to track a single woman down. Um, so Mo- Moiraine is like, light help the world that we can. That this ends up helping us find the dragon reborn. Um, and Elida pops in for just a moment to be a skank and stare down at the two of them and then like sniff and leave the room. And the next day, uh, she and Swan decide like we're going to you know, trust to asking for forgiveness instead of permission. And we're just going to uh, head right back to doing this work in the hopes that we get to continue to review all of the lists. So they head over there, uh, conspiratorially, and uh, a couple of clerks come in, one of whom is like, annoyed that someone has been assigned to the task that they were assigned. And so they lo- leave to go inform somebody of authority and be like, what's going on here? We're the ones supposed to be doing this. And a few minutes later, Tamara comes in, am- the Amerlin, and, you know, she and uh, Swan, like, jump up really quickly and curtsy, and Moiraine accidentally gets ink on her dress. And uh, Tamara informs them that she had intended them to have a free day to either read or, you know, practice for their testing, and she asks Moiraine, like, are you still troubled by your uncle's deaths? And Moiraine is really proud of her very eye-to-eye response of, I had nightmares again last night. <laughs> Which is true, but not about the uncles. Mm-hmm. So Tam is like, okay, fine. You can keep at your work. Once you get bored of it, like, leave a note with where you're done and let me know. And then she tells Moiraine, ink is very difficult to remo- remove, especially from white cloth. I won't tell you not to channel to do it. You know that already. And Moiraine realizes that without saying it, Tamara has essentially given her permission to channel clean the ink stain, Mm -hmm. which she does, much to Swan's chagrin, because she's like, what if somebody else walked in? Like, what would you have told them? And Moiraine, like, blushes and is like, shut up. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, And then about an hour later, as she is reviewing the entries, Moiraine comes across one that says, you know, born in the sight of Dragon Mount... But this one has a little more information that it was west of the river, and it happens to be a sun on the day of Guitara's foretelling. And so she kind of like pauses for a moment, and then grabs a blank sheet of paper and duplicates the information to keep a copy for herself. And as she's doing this, she looks at Swan and notices that Swan is writing in a little leather-bound book. And obviously has the same thoughts of like making copies of the entries that might have helpful information and tells Moiraine, you have to be prepared. And Moiraine decides she's going to bring her own little book tomorrow. So later in the morning as they're continuing their work, which by the way, my hand cramps so fast if I'm handwriting anymore. But like even back when I had to take like exams for classes in college and stuff, I cannot imagine writing for hours and hours and hours. Like, your hand would hurt so bad, right?
0: Yeah. But think about, like, uh, just in history class, all the yeah endless pages of documents and stuff that were written just to get laws passed and stuff.
1: True. <laughs> uh, so, Jarna Malari... Uh, and Aes Sedai, a sitter, um, I forget which Aja she is, but she comes in and uh, asks Moiraine to walk with her a bit and asks her a couple of questions about her uncles and then asks a shocking question to Moiraine, which is like, who do you think is uh, likely to ascend to the throne of Kyrian? And Moiraine is like, why is this sitter asking me this question? And uh, Jarna asks her about her you know, various family members and She's like, what about your sisters? Uh, Your generation seems to, like, not quite have the bad reputation that some of the others in your family do. And Moiraine is kind of, like, miffed at this, but tells her that neither of her sisters are fit to sit the throne. And her half-brother, Terengale, is disqualified as part of his marriage to the Queen of Andor. Hmm. Uh, And Jarna is like, hmm, interesting. And then it's like, okay, back to your work. (laughs) And then Swan is like, what was that about? And Moiraine lies and said, she's like, I don't know, really. Uh, even though she heavily suspects what it was about and is kind of validated in that suspicion when six sitters of the other Aja's come by throughout different parts of the day with similar questions, including, uh, I think her name is Su- My autocorrect changed it to Tsunami.
0: Uh-huh. Um
1: Sutama says directly to her, Have you never thought of being Queen of Kairi yourself? And this is literal nightmare fuel for Moiraine, because she has a nightmare that night, uh, where she sat on the sun throne wearing the shawl of an Aes Sedai, and in the streets outside, the mobs were destroying the city. No Aes Sedai had been a queen in over a thousand years, and even before that, the few who admitted it openly had fared badly. But if that was the goal of the hall of the tower, how could she forestall it? Only by fleeing the tower as soon as she did gain the shawl and staying away until matters resolved themselves in Kyrian. And so the chapter ends with Moiraine praying that her testing comes soon so that she has an escape from the plots of the White Tower. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of chapter six.
0: Ooh. I mm. was wondering. Yes. A couple names I'm wondering if I should recognize, because I kind of do. Okay. Um, One was Marion. Have we seen her before New Spring? Mm, I don't think so, no. Okay. And then another was, was it, not Isandra, what was her name? list Lysandra.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, no. You shouldn't recognize that one either. Okay. And then there's one more
0: Aes Sedai person. Uh... Oh. Malin. Have I have we seen her before? I don't think so, no. Okay. Okay. Just curious. I'm always looking at these names. And I'm like, some of these people I might not have seen in a while in the White Tower, and I'm wondering... Because I'm seeing, obviously, like, M and all those people, and I'm wondering if... if I should be recognizing others. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. And this is the first um, time I've seen a lot from a white Aja, other than that maniac. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alvierin. So, yep,
0: yep. Um, and I think the Aja who first speaks to her is Grey. And that's kind of like the first mention of any Grey Aja. I I don't really know anything about the Grey. So
1: Yeah, I don't think we've seen them a lot in the previous books, really. The only other one I th-
0: could think of is the one that's in um Salidar on the on the council.
1: Oh yeah. That's the only one I could think of. And I don't trust her as far as I could throw her. Anyway. <clears> Ooh. <throat> wow. Which what was your favorite part of these two chapters?
0: It's hard to pick. I don't think anything was like major for me as a part as a favorite part. I just really enjoy seeing the like progression of Moraine and Swan's friendship and relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I just love all of the little like I'm going to say Easter eggs that are thrown in about where they are and where they end up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was thinking mm-hmm. as I was editing last chapter, our last episode, I was talking in last episode about how Swan started out talking about how, Oh, I wish I had adventure and to be the Amberlin would be a nightmare.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: then I kept talking about like, Oh, but then she ends up as an, as the Amberlin, but I'm thinking actually, mm-hmm. no, she's now ending up on a adventure.
1: Kind and of, yeah. That's what like she— Like Gamerlin was a, a moment along the way.
0: Yeah, and this is what she actually, at this time in the books, wants. This is what she dreams of as being an—she's I... not an nice to die right now. She dreamed of this sort of adventure. So even though it's yeah. not in the way she expected to get it, she's getting this kind of um, dream. In, in, I guess in that's now. true.
1: I hadn't really thought about that,
0: um, but anyway, I just really liked seeing their connection and how they sort of interact with one another. Um, and I think my favorite moment of that was in your chapter when Swan volunteers Moiraine for the <laughs> for the task, yeah. but then gets stuck with it as
1: well. <laughs> yes, I like <laughs> I, that. Too. I loved
0: that. What about you?
1: Um, I think I like watching this. You know what turns out to be sort of the moiraine's life purpose in the books like watching the the boulder start rolling down the hill mm-hmm. at this in these chapters of like I really want to find this boy and okay now I've you know figured out this way to see the entire list and okay now I'm going to make note of ones that seem likely like you you're just yeah. watching it sort of like gain speed and so I I like that uh you know there's not just that I think a, a maybe a, a lazier writer might have just had that moment when Guitarra died and have the have Tamara go like, "You two are the only ones who can know. I need you to go find him." And instead, we like watch the like slow internal progression of needing to do that
0: mm-hmm. happening. And mm-hmm.
1: so, I I really like that. I think the
0: slow burn,
1: yeah, the slow burn.
0: I like. Um, I also I'm just thinking as we were as we were discussing our favorite parts. It's interesting to see the little parallels, um, or little things like we see Moiraine I'm sorry, yeah, Moiraine giving the extra money to the person in need. Yeah. And in the last book we saw Nynaeve being a little extra generous with her coin
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the frustration that, um, <laughs> Elaine had with her and how she's like, oh, she doesn't know what to do with, she doesn't know what she's doing with her money and we see the same thing between Swan with Moiraine and
1: mm-hmm. it's just,
0: yeah, another thing that is so similar with him, with her, with Moiraine and Nynaeve, and just shows, like, they're so similar, they're so much closer in age as well than than Nynaeve has any idea. And it just shows, like, they're, they're really not that different. They're just from different places and at different points in their journey, you know? I could totally yeah, I mean... see Nynaeve one day being just as controlled on the outside as moiraine is
1: yeah i think i mean moiraine is uh probably like 15 to 20 years older than Nynaeve.
0: but i mean it's like it wasn't that long ago that she was yeah, just yeah, yeah. as unsure as Nynaeve is you know in the power and all that <laughs>
1: yeah. and it's yeah, just there, interesting there's a lot more similarities than i think either of them would like to admit
0: yeah and i love the way robert jordan writes female relationships relationships yeah. in general but like we have seen so many different types of relationships among females and so often that it's written one of two ways <laughs> and it's like uh, severe villains like climbing over each other at any cost yeah um or like sisters best friends you know but in this, you see such a multitude of experiences between female characters, and this relationship between Swan and Moraine um, and could easily have been written just like Egwene and Nynaeve's. Yeah. Very easily. And it, it would have been totally expected and believable and whatever, but it's such a different thing. And then you think of totally. Nynaeve and Elaine's relationship is so different. From either of the other two, and then Avienda and and um, Egwene, it's just it's so refreshing, and yeah. it's it's one of my one concerns about the show so far is they've kind of in my opinion seem like they're reverting back to this very stereotypical women versus woman about a guy dynamic, mm. so mm. unnecessary because it's so got it yeah beautiful in the books. And it's so unnecessary to do that kind of bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Because this, like, imagine seeing this, these kinds of relationships blossom on screen and what that would mean for so many people. Yeah. You know? I I love reading that. So that's all. (laughs) Precious. (laughs) Did you know that for $0 a month, you can help support our podcast by simply rating and reviewing it on whatever platform that you're currently using to listen to this episode?
1: That's right. And the like number one way somebody tries a new podcast is if somebody recommends it to them. So go recommend this
0: to someone else. And if you want to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at CoolStoryPod. You can find us on Twitter, CoolStoryPod1. We're also on Facebook. You can email us, CoolStoryPod at gmail.com.
1: Yes, and we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Matt. Uh, You get fun bonus episodes where we play games, review movies, and other fun things, so check that out.
0: And if you want to support us another way, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash N and Matt. Thanks for listening to Cool Story. See you next week. Bye. Bye.